Hello, Rebels. This is a free audio podcast of my weekly show, Rebel Roundup. Tonight, my guests are Ezra Levent and Sheila Gunn-Reed. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, you would love watching, but in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber. You get access to this show, Sheila Gunn-Reed's Wednesday night show, The Gun Show, and Ezra's daily show, The Ezra Levent Show. It's only $8 a month, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. Just for podcast listeners, you get to save an extra 10% by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnews.com slash subscribe to become a member. Now, enjoy my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. As the Beastie Boys once sang, you've got to fight for your right to party. And you know what? In 2020 Toronto, you've also got to fight for your right to <coughs> practice journalism. Oh yeah, that's what our entire rebel team did last week, led by our commander-in-chief, Ezra Levent. And Ezra will drop by to prove that, contrary to popular belief, yes, you can successfully fight City Hall. So, what are the rules exactly when it comes to being nasty to statues? Well, apparently beheading Catholic statues is merely so much tomfoolery, but if one is to spray paint the face of a Pierre Elliott Trudeau statue, oh, that's a hate crime. Sheila Gunn-Reed will delve into the hypocrisy inherent to statue vandalism. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding our incredible video in which we attempted to practice journalism in the public square in Toronto. Neither the thugs occupying the square wanted us there, nor did the city hall security guards. So we just walked away. Just kidding. We stood our ground and we have the bruises to prove it. But it was worth it, folks, because did we ever score a victory for freedom of the press and freedom of expression? Those are your Rebels. Now let's round them up. I'm going to do a news report on my town square where I pay taxes every day. That's just happening. Whether I do it with the cops, with the security, or by my lonesome, it's happening. All right, uh, we spoke to the security there. They said uh, at 12.34, they trespassed, they trespassed all of you guys. So here's what I'm gonna do. Um, I'm gonna walk there now. And that'll, be, that'll go one of three ways, I think. One is, I'll go by myself and I'll probably get attacked. That won't be good. The other is, you come with me, and I don't think they're gonna lay a glove on you. But I know how tough it is to be a cop these days. They're filming everything. They're going to try and get you. It's tough. The third is, you arrest me. Oh, I don't want that to happen. But I am ready for that to happen. Because the only reason I'm here with 15 of my friends is because we were shooed away from the town square yesterday and thought the president of the company himself is going to come down and prove that in Toronto, 
The town square is a place where a journalist can go peacefully. So if that is not true, we need to know it. And if I get personally attacked, we need to know it. If I get arrested, we need to know it. So I'm going to do that now. Right. I'm going to do well, whether or not you guys is, are there. I did mention that to them, and, yeah. and they don't want you on the property right You know now, what? So. Uh, one 800 I don't care. I mean, their opinion matters I, I, not at all to me. What I'm saying is, why don't you shoot some footage from here and get and get what you can get Cause, here cause while I'm we're not, standing here and make sure that you guys are safe right now. You know, um, because I'm a free citizen and that's my town hall, that's my town square, that's right. the answer. Why? There's no other answer to it. I'm explaining to you what security told me. If you're not happy with their... I'm not interested in playing legal games with mall cops, officer. So, I'm, so unless you have any last minute things to say, I am now going to walk with my bravest cameraman and David. I'm going to walk to the stairs. I hope I don't get beat up. I hope I don't get arrested. Those are two possibilities. I hope you guys will just walk with me to the stairs. I'll do five minutes of journalism and then I'll call it a day. Just to be clear, if I get a trespass... So Moke, are you coming? Just to be clear. I thought that was a magnificent performance of, um, I guess, outdoor lawyering. Um, we are asserting ourselves. You can already hear the moans from the sacred circle of the autonomous city. And we're being met with the mall cops, for lack of a better term. Ezra Levant here for rebelnews.com. Wow, that was kind of like watching an episode of Perry Mason if that classic TV series featured an outdoor courtroom, that is. But seriously, is that what it takes to practice journalism in the public square in Toronto of 2020? Do journalists need to bring a lawyer along with a printout of the Trespass Act as well as, oh, I don't know, seven bodyguards? And meanwhile, a bunch of violence-prone squatters occupy Nathan Phillips Square illegally and even erect a filthy tent city, but nothing to see here, folks. Absolute madness. And without further ado, here is the Commander-in-Chief of Rebel News himself, Ezra Levent. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Ezra. So I'm thinking that might have been the Rebels' greatest moment last week, Ezra, where we went to City Hall and basically asserted our right to practice journalism in defiance of these thugs. But you know, the, my takeaway, Ezra, is that there's always been bad guys, twas ever thus, since the dawn of mankind. What we have right now in certain cities like Seattle, John Tory's Toronto, is the political masters acquiescing to the barbarians. And that, these are the real villains in my book. Yeah, well, I mean, we've had bad guys since Cain and Abel. Yeah. And uh, one of the reasons we have police, which is actually a fairly new phenomenon in the sweep of history, um, it's what the philosopher Thomas Hobbes said. It's a social contract where we all agree as a community with each other, but we don't sign a contract, me and you and me and you. It, we all agree as a group that we're going to give some power to the Leviathan. That was his name of his book. Yes. Some great... Uh, uh, power that will have a monopoly on violence. Yeah. That uh, unless it's in extreme circumstances like self-defense, we give up our natural rights to violence to the Leviathan in return for protection. And Thomas Hobbes said that without that, without the agreement that we're going to be a community bound by certain rules, and if we disagree, we settle it peacefully, and only the police will be marauding about with guns, 
life will be, according to Hobbes, nasty, brutish, and short. And if you look at the CHAZ, that's the Capitol Hill Autonomous, Autonomous Zone in Seattle, it was an extreme crime zone. Yes. There were murders, there were warlords, there were gangs. Yep. There was murder, I'm sure there was rape, there was theft, there was obviously vandalism, trespass, things like that. Um, that's what life without police is like. That's what defund police means. But the craziness about the Toronto Autonomous Zone yeah. is that it's not in some neighborhood away from the City Hall. It is right on the steps of City Hall, yes. under the watchful gaze of City Hall security, who actually were telling us to stop bothering the protesters. We weren't bothering the protesters. They were pushing us, threatening us, uh, attacking our property, later punching one of our cameramen, kicking one of our bodyguards. And the Toronto uh, City Hall security were telling us that we were breaking the law. Toronto City Hall gave them, as you pointed out, the porta potty facilities. Yeah. And the Toronto police, now forget about the mall cop style security, yeah. the Toronto police, I spent nearly 20 minutes haggling, negotiating, begging, compromising to let, have them let me pass. Now, I didn't mind doing it because in a way it was a teachable moment to show, you know, I wanted to explain to them, we've done nothing wrong, we're here with clean hands, we have our lawyer, we're being, like I wanted to make the points. And I wanted one of those three outcomes. I mean, I, I, I said to the cop, either I'm going to get beat up, and if, I mean, I obviously don't want that. I yep. mean, I could be really hurt. But imagine the police standing by, the city hall uh, security standing by while I get beat up for doing journalism on the steps of city hall. That would be a shocking moment, I think. Or um, they would arrest me. That would right. be even more shocking. What happened was the best alternative is that the police do their job. Yeah, and it was bittersweet too, wasn't it, Ezra? Because it was like, okay, go out into the square for five minutes, do yeah. your little rant. And we should, um, if our viewers haven't seen the original stories, we should give the backstory. We did that uh, a week ago Wednesday. On Tuesday, um, Andrew went down in the morning. I went down in the afternoon to Nathan Phillips Square. Uh, we got chased out by the thugs. That was Andrew's case. In my case, it was the uh, city hall security, the mall cops, as you call them, getting the police to say, you gotta go now or we're mm. arresting you with trespassing. And I got the bums rush right. to the parking lot. You said, that's not how we roll at the rebel. We have a constitutional right to be yeah. in that public square. Yeah. And that's why we went back with added security, with a lawyer, with a copy of the Trespass Act. And Ezra, quite frankly, I think that was your finest hour, talking with those police and giving them, here are your three choices. Yeah. Well, and I had to mean it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had to actually start to walk. I wanted to, you know, I mean, you might recall I said, Unless you have anything you want to say as a last moment thing, I'm going to go in now. So I wanted them to have a chance to make any objection, to put anything to me in advance, but I was going to go and I had to be ready for that. And I, and I talked, uh, we, we had that staff meeting in the morning with our lawyer, Aaron, we went through the, the trespass laws. Yeah. Um, someone can eject you from their private property for any reason or no reason. That's the old maxim, a man's home is his castle. Yes. So you can kick someone off your property. You don't even need a reason. But on public property, you need a reason. Because otherwise, I mean, that would be absurd if someone could kick you off the sidewalk, kick you off the street, 
what? No, this is, a pub this is common land. And so the law is very specific. You have to be doing something wrong. And simply when the mall cops, the uh, town hall security said, get off, I'm, I'm saying you have to, so that's not the law. And the police, who are the real muscle, because those, those mall cops aren't actually going to do anything, the police know the law enough. Now, I don't blame the cop for trying to dissuade me. Yep. It's easier for him. There's less chance of a bad outcome. Yep. And it is tough to be a cop these days when everyone's cell phone cameras capturing your every move. And if you have one false move, you're, you're toast. But things were so bad the day before we had to make the point. And that's why I, I, mean, I usually hang out here at the office. We got a lot of stuff going on. Yep. But I, I was really glad to get out there. And I remember saying to some of our cameramen, Mocha and Efron, I said, I don't want you guys to go to jail. Someone's got to tell the story. Someone's got to take the footage back and edit it. But they were very brave, too. I, I salute those youngsters for being very brave. And Efron actually took a punch. I think it hit his camera, not yeah. him. But we've, I, we haven't released this yet. Maybe you should do a story on it. Our lawyer wrote a letter to the police chief uh, insisting that they press charges against the man who hit. In fact, I, I'd invite you to take that lawyer's letter and do a video because I don't think our people know about it yet. Um, I think that we should have had allies. I think we should have had civil liberties lawyers. I think we should have had journalist advocates. There are groups in Canada, and almost all of them are based in Toronto, Canadian Association of Journalists, Canadian Journalists for Free Expression, Reporters Without Borders, um, Penn Canada, Amnesty International, all these groups claim to be for free speech, free press, and for journalists. None of them even tweeted a tweet. Uh, none of them, like if, if I, and I contrast that with the ridiculous sanctity of, oh, you can't even heckle a CBC reporter. You know, there's a prank. It's a rude prank, it's yeah. profane. Um, people who see a reporter live shout, F her right in the P, like a swear right. words. Yep. It's very profane. It's a quick heckle. There's no punching. There's no assaulting. There's no threat. It's like a, it, it's become this thing that, that typically drunk guys shout into a live camera and then run away. Yep. It's a very strange phenomenon. Um, and it's startling and it's profane and it's vulgar, but it, it, it's actually not a crime to swear and it's actually not a crime to heckle a journalist. That happens, that, that, that was sort of a fad yeah. for a while, and it's died down, but you still see the odd guy doing it. And whenever it happens, uh, the CBC <laughs> does a whole story yeah. on it, and, how, and the other journalists into it, are you okay? Yeah. Should we bring in the grief counselors? <laughs> and they call the cops, and, and sometimes the police say, we'll arrest, sometimes oh, yes. the police actually arrest the guy. There was a yeah. famous case of someone who worked for uh, the power authority here in Toronto. He was actually fired from That's his right. job and so yeah. the mainstream media has a five alarm fire when someone swears it's not even swearing at them it's a it's a vulgar it's a vulgar heckle and then they usually run yeah that's a five alarm fire for the media party but our journalists actually getting roughed up city hall security pushing our journalists out cops giving us a 20 minute hassle that not even a word you'll forgive me if i don't care about the F, her right in the P heckle, yeah. when the same journalists couldn't care less about actual censorship. And are we right wing? I don't care. Yeah. Um, the Constitution, Section 2B, freedom of the press, freedom of uh, speech, all those freedoms there, they apply to any Canadian and every Canadian. They even apply to 
to people that the CBC doesn't like. Well, Ezra, two things about what you just said. I would bet you a donut that there are journalists at the CBC, the Toronto Star, the Globe and Mail, that would actually applaud the idea of an Afro-Indigenous sacred circle tent city. So um, it, it's better to be silent than play our cards that, oh, this is a great thing that's happening. Secondly, we, I mentioned off camera, a week ago Friday in Durham region here in Ontario, there was a trial involving police brutality. Desmond Cole, if you don't know that name, folks, he's a black activist and a failed journalist, got up in the public square outside the courtroom to make a speech I don't know what the speech is because it was never recorded. He said to all the journalists there, turn off any and all recording devices, your cell phones, your cameras, your uh, uh, tape recorders, etc. And they bent the knee, they complied. Yeah. Contrast that with what we did mm -hmm. in standing up for our rights, and I would argue for Canadians' yeah. rights in, at Nathan Phillips Square. Yeah, we have a rule here, and you've heard me say it, and I say it to all the young journalists, we keep, we keep the cameras rolling no matter what. If later on when we're editing the footage, there's a reason we don't want to publish something, there might even be a legal reason why not to, we'll make that decision ourselves. We don't turn the camera off because someone says turn the camera off. And even if someone is getting pushy, in fact, that's when you want the camera on as yes. evidence. So some politician says turn the camera off and the media comply. My immediate thought is, who else have you turned the camera off for? What other censorship have you uh, embraced so lovingly? Yes. Um, and if you'll do so for Desmond Cole, who I actually don't know much about, I've never met him, what would you do for Justin Trudeau, who pays your company, hundred, you know, he pays 600 million bucks a year in, in bailout money. So um, if these journalists proudly censor themselves because some Yahoo says so, who else are they uh, bending the knee to? And, you know, we talk about telling the other side of the story and being independent. And, you know, we've said it a million times, but it really is true. Yeah. And I just don't trust the other media anymore. Uh, neither do I. You know, I was joking with a friend of mine at the National Post. I used to work there 20 years ago. Yeah. So I still have some friends there. And um, I showed him the video of when we went down to City Hall. We were talking about it. And I joked with him, I said, if your National Post newsroom went down to City Hall, they probably would have joined the protesters. Because <laughs> that's the National Post newsroom, 30 of whom signed a denunciation yeah. of Rex Murphy because he was a white male. Well, first of all, every one of them should be fired yep. uh, for being racist. If you're denouncing a coworker for his age and his race, that is, I mean, that's ageism, but that's racism. If you're denouncing someone because they're black or Jewish or Sikh or Muslim or white, that's racism. And but on the contrary, Matt Gurney, the common editor, uh, apologized yeah, for running the well, column and threw Rex under the bus. And he should apologize for being a straight white male because that's the greatest outrage. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, what a what a disgrace! I worked at that newspaper more than 20 years ago, and uh, I can only imagine. Um, it's unthinkable that what, what's become, but, but they're the number one recipient of Trudeau's bailout money. Yeah, uh, I think they get. Uh, I'd have to check 140,000 or 170,000 bucks a week from Trudeau. But it's bad hiring. I mean, they hire people there who believe the Marxist, uh, racist, critical theory of the universities. And there's an old saying: personnel is policy. Yeah. When you hire someone, you're making a statement about who you are too. 
And the National Post, for years, has hired politically correct leftists. And I get it, they're just a content mill churning out crap these days, yeah. mainly. Their stars are Rex Murphy, Conrad Black, I think Jordan Peterson is back. But they've just got the same crappy millennial bloggers working for them that worked for Vice, that worked for the CBC. In fact, a lot of the people who were signing this petition worked for Vice or the CBC or the Huffington Post just a few years ago. Well, that paper isn't Conrad Black's National Post anymore, as her, you know, so much to talk about, but we have to wrap it here. Uh, I think your finest hour, um, our company's finest hour last week at Nathan Phillips Square. And folks, if you haven't seen the video, you must. I know the year is only at the halfway mark. So far, the quote of the year, I think, goes to Mr. Ezra Levent when the police say we're going to have to negotiate with mall security to see what they feel about you coming onto the square. And Ezra says, after you do that, give Colonel Sanders a call and see what he has to say. He has just about as much authority in this matter as they do. Oh my God, what a day that was. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Another year, friends and Christians continue to be the most persecuted religion on the face of the planet. And while we like to think the second-class citizen treatment is exclusive to the Middle East, parts of Africa, and that evil empire of China, that difference in treatment can still be seen in policing and media and political concern levels right here in North America. Just look at this from Sudbury.com. Eight religious statues depicting the Stations of the Cross at Grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes in downtown Sudbury have been beheaded. Hang on for a second here. Not just vandalized, beheaded. Their heads were chopped off. How do you even behead a statue? That requires a lot of planning and forethought and some serious tools brought to the scene of the crime. It hardly seems like a spur-of-the-moment drunken prank to me. It seems very premeditated. Let's go on. Those responsible for the vandalism, however, remain unknown, and with no video surveillance of the area, no suspects and no witnesses, it doesn't appear as though this fact will be changing anytime soon. Vandalism of the four bronze statues, they were bronze, at the property in the care of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Sault Ste. Marie is suspected to have occurred between 1pm and 6pm on May 22nd, so in broad daylight, said Staff Sergeant Sherry Young of the Greater Sudbury Police Service. Should a suspect be identified, she said they would be charged with mischief either above or below $5,000 depending on the value of the property. Restitution would also be requested. Oh, really? So it's not a religiously motivated hate crime, just some plain old mischief, hey? Wonder why that is or why police are already making that determination before they even have a suspect in custody. So when exactly is the vandalism of a statue a hate crime and when is it just merely simple mischief? Well, as you just saw, the authorities in Sudbury are treating the gruesome beheadings of Catholic figures as, well, just a little mischief. Boys will be boys. And besides, those Catholics were probably white supremacists or something. But contrast that to what happened in Vaughan last month when someone in the wee hours of the morning visited the statue of Pierre Elliott Trudeau and spray painted the face black. Hey, to me, that's kind of like art resembling reality when it comes to the Trudeau clan. Oh, but the York Regional Police, they were not amused. The hate crime unit is already investigating. Wow. 
and with more on this tale of the truth and consequences inherent to statue vandalism is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on the show. It is always a super pleasure. So, Sheila, you are a practicing Catholic yourself. Yes. How did you feel when you first heard about this story? And how did you feel when you saw the milquetoast response to this story by those who are in charge? It's, for me, it's, you see this constantly. You see the different treatment when it comes to Christianity and oftentimes Judaism versus uh, other religions when it comes to these sorts of acts of vandalism. And I would call this a hate crime. Um, you know, when we hear about a mosque being being vandalized, uh, the community rallies around the mosque and it's signal boosted by the mainstream media. And and that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. That's a good thing. I I believe in religious freedom. I don't think that religious sites of any kind should ever be subject to vandalism. It's one of the grossest things that can happen. Um, but we never see that when it comes to Christianity. In fact, this happened over a month before the public knew about it. It happened like in the beginning or sorry, in the end of May and the police had no suspects for four weeks. It wasn't in the news for four weeks. And only when the police did a press release saying, hey, we've got no sub no suspects, but it's probably just mischief, maybe over 5,000, maybe under 5,000. Who knows? It's no big deal. But if you know something, let us know. That's how the public found out about this. And if this were another religion, I don't think the narrative would have been quite the same. And, you know, let's talk about this, Sheila, uh, because I, I agree with you. If that had been an individual, and from time to time, this kind of story pops up where somebody tears up a Quran or burns it. Yep. It, it is national news. Um, in the aftermath, they even have a little funeral for the defaced Quran. And so that's a follow-up news story, and there's outrage, and it's Islamophobia, and it's hatred towards Muslims. And by the way, it's not something I would do. I, don't, I, don't, I like creating things. I don't like tearing things yeah. down and destroying things and carrying out acts of vandalism. But why is it, Sheila, that we go to the extreme for that particular faith if, um, you know, in, in the example I gave, a Quran is defaced, whereas these beautiful Catholic statues are beheaded, and it's like, hey, you know, uh, things happen, move on. Well, and it's very strange to see um, how when something happens to a mosque or when something happens to a Quran, it becomes indicative of a greater, to use this word that is so popular these days, systemic problem. That this one incident of religiously motivated uh, vandalism becomes uh, a problem that we're all guilty of and that needs to be addressed. And it becomes national news. We just have to look at the hijab hoax to see how quickly. Yep. And, and and that wasn't even an actual hate crime. A little girl said she had her hijab snipped on the way to school by a, a, a quote, Asian man. I think she meant Caucasian, but whoever coached her to commit the fake hate crime didn't really make sure she had all the details clear. Um, that prompted breathless articles, a tweet from the prime minister. It was uh, indicative of a greater problem that Muslims suffer in our country um, when it wasn't even true. And 
you know, when you can get a tweet from the prime minister because somebody snipped at your hijab on the way to school, which didn't even happen, I would say things are pretty good. Um, whereas with this, eight statues, and these aren't just like concrete statues that, you know, if you smashed them with a hammer, they'd crumble. These were bronze statues. So that requires some tools, some foresight, some planning. They were beheaded in broad daylight in the afternoon in Sudbury. And it takes a month for us to find out about it. And the police, they don't have a suspect yet, but they're sure this isn't a hate crime. They don't know why anybody did this, but they're 100% sure that they won't be proceeding with this as a hate crime. Um, I guess apropos of nothing, except for the fact that this happened to Christians. And you know, Sheila, you said earlier that you have no doubt that this is likely a hate crime. I'm not so sure. I don't know if these, you know, if these statues were desecrated by people who hate Catholics or by garden variety morons. And I say that, Sheila, because if we look south of the border, uh, in recent weeks we've seen these uh, Black Lives Matter protesters um, go on the offensive against statues. But it, with the statues they're tearing down and desecrating and vandalizing, some of those statues are statues about anti-slavery. Some of the statues are statues honoring um, all black military units that fought with valor. What I'm saying is that um, there's a degree of stupidity, a, a degree of people that have no knowledge of history and that the statues are actually defacing is something that if they knew the history of these statues, they should support, be supporting. So what do you think? Do you think these are truly um, Catholic haters out there? Or like I said, a bunch of idiots that simply don't know better and just want to uh, behead statues for the sake of beheading statues? Normally, I would say don't attribute malice to something that can be explained with stupidity. And <laughs> that is so often <laughs> the case with these uh, rioters and BLM protesters in the United States. As you rightly point out, they're pulling down things that are representative of, um, of great equal rights achievements. However, it, part of these protests do have a strong anti-Christian uh, side to them. When we look at what happened to the president's church uh, across the street from the White House, it was burned and then it was vandalized again, just, you know, like a week and a half ago. Nobody seems to care about that. We've seen priests and street pe preachers being attacked by these people, um, cathedrals in and churches in at least six states have not just incidentally been vandalized by these people but actually targeted attacks by um, by the rioters and protesters. So um, there's a strong underlying anti-Christian current in all of this and anti-Israel uh, and anti-Judaism current in a lot of this because we know uh, a lot of the Black Lives Matter movement uh, has a strong anti-Semitic sentiment yes. um, in it, um, as you found out when you uh, made a trip to food benders. Um, <laughs> so I, well, I think there's a lot of anti-Christianity and anti-Judaism. That I think comes from a place of build, uh, pull down everything that built the society um, in which we live tear it all down. And we know that, you know, Western society is founded on Judeo-Christian principles. So target those things, 
take them apart, um, erase them from history, and then you can rewrite history. It's so sad, Sheila. We got to wrap it here. I guess uh, to paraphrase uh, an Orwellian line from Animal Farm, all religions are created equal. It's just that some religions are more equal than others in today's day and age. Sheila, thanks so much. And uh, let's hope they find who was responsible for this, regardless of the motivation. Uh, someone should have to pay for that horrible crime. Thanks again. Thanks, David. Have a great weekend. You got it. And that is Sheila Gunn-Reed, somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. we got 15 people here today just to assist you doing a story. So we're going to go into this camp now, and you're going to do a normal story. What I'm going to be looking for, and so will our lawyer, is will John Tory's politicized police who have ignored this illegal encampment, will they try to crack down on you, on me, on our professional licensed insured security? If so, we have a serious problem. Let's go to the front steps of City Hall and let's let you do journalism. We're gonna be so compliant with the law. We're gonna be professional. We're gonna be lawful. We're not gonna cause a scene. We're going to be so perfect in our conduct that the police will literally have no cause to eject us other than political bias. We're controlling every other variable. Well, folks, we are at literally the scene of the crime. This is the illegal encampment. It's supposedly a circle. It's not quite geometrically correct but this is where we were yesterday and evidently there's um there's a phony baloney rule that i think people and even media are allowed to be outside the circle but we can't venture inside the circle now here come the umbrellas you can tell there's not a raindrop in the air today it's a nice sunny day in toronto so this is going to be to attempt to block our cameras so you know, we can't capture their crimes on video. It's a typical Antifa 101 tactic in massaging the narrative uh, to their liking. Also, as you can see, as I alluded to earlier, we got a couple of porta potties established by the city. So not only are the police coming in and John Tory saying, you cannot be here, it is illegal. They are making these squatters have a comfortable place to be. It should also be noted that despite this illegal occupation, uh, there is 0, 0.0 um, police presence. And then we have one solitary security guard there. Notably, he is behind a steel wall of sorts, a temporary steel fencing. Uh, very funny that, isn't it, folks? The left is, a, is typically against uh, building walls so that a country can um, maintain its sovereignty in terms of illegal aliens coming to the country. But when they are threatened at City Hall, uh, walls are very effective indeed. Now, as you can see off camera too, this is where they start shoving umbrellas and whatnot into our faces and they start complaining, don't touch me, and that this is an assault on them. Uh, here's this guy, as you can see, I don't know what he's got. They don't want 
free speech. They don't want freedom of the press. They don't want um, freedom of expression. They want tyranny. They not oh, spread lies. And oh, oh, is that right? What's the truth, ma'am? See, again, you ask them a question and they can't answer it. They respond with vulgarity. A conversation when oh. people are against you. They don't want anyone to give you a story. Well, maybe, ma'am, if you put your umbrella down. Um, by the way, why is it that you people don't want your encampment filmed? You people in the encampment, ma'am. This is an occupation. Oh, it's an occupation. Okay, well, we're dealing with semantics right now. You're on my land. You're on my territories. Who are you, colonizers? Can I see a deed, please? Pardon me? Can I see the deed? You don't need to see my f***ing deed. Okay. Do you know what the history is? Are you, you able to respond to a question without profanity? Are these your lands? Okay. Were you origi your original person of these lands? Are these your lands? Well, I believe this is a public square, ma'am. Do you know that these are not your lands? Does somebody come up into your home and take up your space? So Does somebody come into your home and they can dictate how you run your household? So what would you what would you like? What would you like us to do? Off my land. That's what I would like. Well, folks, that is just a small snippet of what I believe to be the best video ever produced in the five-year history of the Rebel, and it was an all-hands-on-deck effort. I wish I could play the whole thing, but alas, it's 29 minutes long. If you haven't already checked out the entire video, please do so. In any event, that was the ugly scene that emerged last week when the violent degenerates who have laid claim to Nathan Phillips Square decided not only to disrespect property rights by conducting an illegal occupation of the public square, but they also decided to toss the Constitution into the paper shredder too. You know, that part about freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of expression. But this is just one of the ugly byproducts of Mayor John Tory's so-called sanctuary city, wherein the rule of law is no longer consistently applied, especially when it comes to those who are the takers and those who are the makers. Welcome to Bizarro World. In any event, you had plenty, and I mean plenty, to say about this egregious and outrageous state of affairs at Hogtown City Hall, so let's get to it. Mike Bessio writes, this is how Toronto Batman is born. Holy pithy prose, Mike. Indeed, if only Toronto had a Cape Crusader, just like the fictional Gotham City, because one thing is quite evident these days, the inmates have breached the walls of Toronto's version of Arkham Asylum, and worse yet, our elected officials are actually listening to these lunatics. That's the real crime here, by the way. The Soro writes, Since when do police officers go and ask mall security guards for permission to enter a public park? The world has gone crazy. Um, since now, Soro, and the City Hall security couldn't even recite the section of the Trespass Act that we were allegedly breaching. That's right, City Hall security wanted to charge us for trespassing, i.e. practicing journalism in the town square, whereas the squatters who were camping overnight, doing drugs, urinating, defecating, you name it. No, nothing to see here, folks. The world has indeed gone crazy. The question is, are we at peak nut bar yet? Mel Moran writes, I guess this is the new normal, lawlessness. So sick of our politicians. You know, you're right, Mel. The politically correct mantra is keep the peace, even if it means standing down to allow the criminal element 
to act in a way that is anything but peaceful. Does that make any sense? And I'm also sick of the likes of Mayor John Tory too. There's always been thugs and barbarians in the world, twas ever thus after all, but when our gatekeepers throw the law book on the fire and tell law-abiding citizens to essentially fend for themselves, that's the real crime here. JCW669 writes, so if people are peaceful protesting, they are allowed to assault people without any consequences? Yes, that's right, in Mayor John Tory Toronto and in Mayor Jenny Durkin Seattle, that is indeed the so-called new normal, my friend. Bigelow Tech writes, interesting how love and diversity is enforced through violence and racism. What a magnificent observation, Bigelow Tech. And only the protesters are blind to the sheer irony of it all. And Ken Shabu Q writes, Wild savages. Johnson, get me my hunting rifle. Um, sorry, Mr. Q. You didn't hear? Justin Trudeau recently made your hunting rifle illegal via an ordering council. Maybe you ought to buy a slingshot for protection while well, you still can. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night. <laughs>